Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Rob Feakin spent his career as a writer and chief creative officer at some of the most respected advertising agencies in America. Target, Citibank, Procter & Gamble, BMW, Porsche, Four Seasons, and Volvo, just to name a few. In 2015, Rob decided to take his talents in a new direction, a direction specifically focused on kindness. You have been a top-notch ad executive, creating some of the most beautiful campaigns for Volvo and Hilton and BMW and Procter & Gamble and, you know, all these huge, huge, huge companies. And today, you are sitting in Connecticut talking with me from your home about your heart, not necessarily for for getting a big message out there, but your heart for getting the little message out there. So would you talk about for all humankind, please? Sure. Um, So I was in advertising for probably 30 years. Um, Growing, you know, growing up, I grew up in a family of six and my folks always made us volunteer like four hours a week during high school, which doesn't seem like much, but I hated it at the time because I was in high school and I wanted to go to a party and not be a a junior corpsman in a hospital delivering a lab sample on a Friday night. But anyhow, so I think that stuff sticks with you. And during my ad career, uh, I always made sure as I got higher up that we made sure that we were doing purposeful work as well, that we were, you know, not just ad people, but citizens. And so that we would do pro bono work. I was on the ad council creative review committee. And then I chaired a community committee. We always did work for drug free America ad council. We did a city bike, um, brought city bike to New York city. Uh, we did the first, uh, PSA to hit the YouTube top 10 leaderboard. Anyhow, I had a long, great career. And at the end of it, uh, or I decided to end it. I was just, my last company, I was with a company that went from, I was president, chief creative officer, mm-hmm. and we went from 200 to 800 people in eight years. Wow. And I was just honestly kind of exhausted. And I thought, you know, this is, I'm not getting any better, quite honestly. Um, this is maybe as good as I'm going to get. And maybe it's time for me to actually take whatever skill I have and uh, help those who need it most. And that is nonprofits and charities. So uh, I got sick for a while. Uh, that only confirmed what I wanted to do. So I created when I came out of it for all humankind. And for all humankind um, is a consultancy that primarily I do video. I shoot videos for charities and environmental causes. Um, but I also do a branding workshop, half day, full day branding workshop and consult with social media. Um, because I was in the Facebook Creative Council, I, I help. So a lot of the uh, charities I work with are small and um, mm-hmm. might not have huge marketing expertise. So I might help them with their social media calendar and, and point of view about content and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But primarily we're shooting videos tailored for social media that help, uh, you know, emotionally connect you with a brand. Right. You know, most charities are either focused on fundraising, understandably so, and they hire fundraisers, or they go to ad agencies who do, like where I used to work, that do award-winning PSAs. But I didn't find a lot of authentic content. Mm. Where is that one minute, 90 second story of what the charity does 
and why you should be emotionally connected to that charity and hopefully become an advocate. Mm -hmm. And so primarily that's what we do. Rob, I, I have to tell you when this is done well, um, I, I feel like it's life changing and, and just creates like the call to action is just inherent in it. I, I, um, had breast cancer in 2015 and my daughter started to create these little coffee cup sleeves and, um, she raised money thanks to many, many, many people's donations and got the attention of the Susan G. Komen foundation, which works for breast cancer research. Yeah. So they created uh, a PSA about our family. And so it was our story, but they had an actor for me and they had an actor for Jordan and uh, they showed, you know, fake Jordan at her little sewing machine sewing. And then they they showed a scene where Jordan kind of crawls into bed with me and we pull the covers over our head and we giggle. And I cry every time I see it. Yeah. It's my yeah. story. Yeah. I know there's a happy ending. And yet... Yeah. There's something about just the visual of that that yeah. moves me. So yeah. one of the things I think is so interesting is you might have that concept in your head, but it takes a whole team of people who are yeah. so skilled in their expertise to be able to put that all to the, the you know, the whether it's the music or the video or, or any of that. So when you decided that you were going to do this, you had to keep it affordable for everyone and you had right. to become that team all by yourself. Yeah. You know, it was funny. I started out directing and I had a production crew and company and I was actually, Nicole, I was shooting a video for triple negative breast cancer oh, yeah. and Hackensack hospital. And uh, so I had a full crew. I had two directors of photography. I had sound, I had hair and makeup. I had a producer. I had an editor. I had an assistant producer and at lunchtime, it wasn't even that I I gave up my day rate, right? Uh, I donated my day rate for this cause. And uh, at lunchtime, the client came up and said, the only reason why we're spending this much is because it's our fundraiser. And I knew right then and there that if I was going to create content that they could sprinkle throughout their calendar, not just the one fundraiser film, Mm -hmm. but to have a, you know, a film this Friday, a film next month that I would have to become a one-man band because they couldn't afford all those day rates. They couldn't afford the sound person. So I had to, even though I'd shot hundreds of commercials, I'd never run camera. And frankly, like many ad people, I wasn't really paying that much attention to the technical side of it. Um, And so uh, I took a short class on cinematography. I took an online class, 60 hours of video and how to edit, which I wanted to kill myself. Yes, yes. Um, I took then an in-person class, how to edit. I, you know, I got a drone. I got my commercial drone license. I learned how to produce. So, um, you know, that that was a, a lot of effort, but it also makes it incredibly fun because one of the things that I do is since I edit, do everything, and I edit all the way through the process, it's incredibly inspiring because you know, I'm shooting tough stuff. That was the other reason why I wanted to be a one-man band. I'm shooting tough stuff. I'm shooting someone who's been in prison. I'm shooting someone who's been a drug addict. I'm shooting someone who lost a person a hospice. Um, and I wanted it to be intimate. I didn't want a big crew. I didn't want two cameras. 
lights and I want it to be very comfortable. And I interview everyone before I, sh before I film. Mm -hmm. And so the great thing about my process is because I'm interviewing them first, like you and I would meet. And then uh, the day of the shoot, we'd spend all day together. Maybe it's a couple days shoot. And then afterwards, I'm the, in my own edit bay editing. Um, and so I spend time with you and hear your story over and over. And it's kind of like a job of constant inspiration, quite honestly. I think it's so, um, so interesting that you went from feeling like you were at the top of your game. I've got nothing left to learn. Yeah. <laughs> I don't ever me. say those words, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, that was tough. Yeah. I never forget. I got stood up one day by a production company. Um, and I was sitting at this lunch table and I called my wife. I go, I got stood up. And my wife said, Rob, that's how the rest of us live. You were the president of 800 people. No one's going to stand you up. No. And it's been, it's been humbling and it's been great. Yeah. It's really great to be humbled uh, in your life, I will say. So help me understand where this heart comes from for really wanting to get these unheard messages out there because you know, you had a big paycheck coming in. You had everything you could want, yeah. right? You were the guy people yeah. showed up for. So yeah. that's tough to let go of. What it is. happened? Um, so I kind of knew I'd had a great career. I kind of knew that I was a little burnt out, if I'm going to be honest. I was a little burnt out, as I said. And I wanted to, I just, you know, towards the end of my career, it was that nonprofit stuff work and that uh, moved me the most, you know, and, uh, you know, it's so funny yesterday was Martin Luther King day. And one of the videos that we did that became a top 10 video, uh, was a video called, uh, imagine a world without hate. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I use that John Lennon song, imagine. And the idea of the film is what if Martin Luther King was still alive? You know, what if all these great people who are either assassinated or killed were still alive? Daniel Pearl, what if they're all alive? And it was that kind of work. That film actually became uh, the first PSA to hit the YouTube top 10 leaderboard. It was that kind of work that motivated me. Then I got cancer. And I don't want to say, so, so I leave my industry and I think I'm going to take a year off. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to apply it to charities. Uh, I travel a little bit and I get cancer. And so that took me a year to battle. I had some major surgeries. And I think, you know, I don't want to say cancer changed me, but I don't think I've ever met anyone who had cancer, who survived, who doesn't want to be a better person, quite right. honestly, or work on themselves in some way. I don't know how you felt. Absolutely. Um, and so I, they just confirmed for me that I wasn't going to go back into advertising, that I was going to fulfill this mission of creating for all humankind and that I was going to film and shoot um, these stories. And I think the other thing is I just find, you know, the struggle of life is powerful. Whether you're a poacher in Africa who's wanting to stop poaching and become a businessman, or you're somebody who was in prison for 17 years, your son was three months old when you went into prison and you came out two weeks ago and you just met your 18 year old son. Um, you know, these are whether you're a homeless vet uh, a hospice caregiver trying to find a new normal because you're not going back to normal. 
Um, I just find those stories of struggle and achievement of climbing out of that struggle powerful. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I'll sit there and I'll go, I wouldn't have been able to do this story. If I, if I was them, I would not have had the heart, the courage, the guts, the perseverance to come through this. And so I find it, for me, I'm fascinated by it because I find it so powerful. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's the thing that moves me the most. I think that's, you know, seeing that is as really, uh, like I said, it's a job of constant inspiration. That's why I love this podcast so much, because I feel like every person that we talk to has gone through some some sort of a mess in their life. They've gone through some sort of pain right. and in it's it's this conscious choice instead of sitting in that pain to decide to create purpose out of it. And I feel like it's so interesting to me that the purpose people create out of their pain is never like, I'm going to make more money. I'm going to, you know, marry more women. I'm going to do whatever. It's it it right. always seems to be the purpose out of the pain is is kindness. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny that you said, I know how you felt when you went through your cancer, but I had always felt lucky, like lucky to have my two daughters, lucky to have my wife, lucky to have my house, lucky to have my career. I always mm -hmm. felt, you know, I enjoyed advertising. But when I came through cancer and I had such major surgeries that um, I experienced gratitude, I think true gratitude for the first time in my life. Mm -hmm. And I found like in the months and even today, I'll be driving down a road and that gratitude comes out of nowhere. It just wraps you like a blanket, right? And for me, gratitude is always uh, turned towards compassion, mm. right? So I was helpless for about a month bed bound. Uh, I, I didn't know what I would have done without my wife, uh, my doctor and surgeon, surgical team. Um, I was so grateful to them. There is nothing like going through a six hour robotic surgery to rebuild your throat after they take the tumor out. And the doctor telling your wife, by the way, that you might not be able to speak after this. Um, and right before that surgery, you're laying on the table and the surgical team comes around and puts their, their arms together and looks down on you. Um, I was just so grateful for them. My wife, as I said, and then I was just like, I had been so helpless. I was like, who could I help? What could I do? And so that's when I started to volunteer more personally, frankly, um, being of service and where I also committed to doing this and, and shooting charities and working with charities and telling your stories. Um, so the, for me, the lesson late in life has been gratitude turning to compassion. We'll get back to our conversation with Rob Feekins in just a moment. But first, our kindness call. Hello, my name is Sasha Forbes, and I am in Germantown, Maryland, with my daughter, Maya. I wanted to share that last fall, my daughter, Maya, and I listened to your episode with Frank Blake, where you talked about his own podcast, Crazy Good Turns. So, of course, I wandered over to his show to check it out. We then listened to an episode with Kristen Whistle of the organization Kids Boost. They coach young philanthropists to take their passions and grow them into a fundraiser with $100 seed money. Immediately, my 12-year-old daughter was excited to get going with them. 
So in the last two months or so, my daughter has worked with a Kids Boost coach, who's amazing, by the way, to use her love of books, reading, and drawing to make personalized, hand-drawn bookmarks for donors. And not only that, she'll be holding a book club event where she was coached to request a famous writer to guest speak at the event. And they just agreed to appear for it. So we are all very, very excited for that. She has raised almost $250 so far for Speak Up, which is a nonprofit very close to our hearts that promotes girls' education in Bangladesh. So from your podcast, The Crazy Good Turn, to Kids Boost, your show started an amazing chain reaction. And I just wanted to thank you so much for what you do. And please, please keep up the great work. Thank you. Did you know you can be on the Kindness Podcast? Call the Kindness Hotline with your story. You can leave us a voicemail at the number in the description of this podcast. Now, back to the show. I know that you don't want to be called a hospice expert or or anything to that extent, but the, the truth is you've done hospice work for about five right. years now, and that's, that is hard work. Uh, what does that look like for you, and what sort of um, what sort of an emotional give and take is there for you with hospice? Yeah, uh, I've learned so much in hospice. You know, how do you get into hospice? Like, there's no kid in the third grade that stands up and says, "I want to be a hospice worker," you know, on career day. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, hospice workers oftentimes are looked at skeptically. Um, there been some nasty things said about them. Uh, why would you do that? It's the number one question I get from both patients and caregivers. The truth matter is I came out of my cancer. I wanted to help someone somehow. And so I typed in, I went on to volunteermatch.com and I typed in cancer and I came hospice. And I was kind of upset to tell you the truth. Like what? Cancer means certain death? Death, right. And so I kind of slammed the computer and then a week later came back, typed in cancer again, up comes hospice. And I decided to meet the head of the volunteer group. I took the course. They give you what they call a college level course in caregiving. And of course there's drug testing and background checks and stuff. Um, and then I became a hospice volunteer. And what I found is the number one thing in, in volunteering in hospice is listening. Um, I've spent a big part of my life not listening, my wife will tell you. So <laughs> it's been great for me. And it's funny, it kind of couples with what I do filmmaking because being a good documentary filmmaker requires that you listen because you might go in thinking you know what the story is and having all your questions for that story. But if you don't ask the right questions, you might find there's a different story you didn't even know about. Mm-hmm. I shot these poachers in Serengeti last year if I hadn't asked the right question, I wouldn't have known they were poachers because I wasn't shooting them for that. They were now entrepreneurs. But to get back to hospice, I find that it's really taught me to listen. And a lot of times, uh, and being present. And by that, I mean, sometimes you'll have a patient who's unresponsive. Uh, I once spent you know, an hour reading a book of Shel Silverstein poems to a patient that was unresponsive that the family said she loves these poems. We believe your hearing is the last sense to go. So even though you are unresponsive, we're there to 
play your music, read to you, listen. Um, you know, and during COVID, I'm an outpatient hospice volunteer. So I, uh, I will go to your home and stuff. But during COVID, we're not allowed to do that, obviously. So uh, since March, I've been talking to a gentleman who's 92. He can't Zoom. He can't, you know, do FaceTime. Um, so we, I just call him once a week for an hour. Mm. I've never met him. I've never been to his house. But I have a complete and total picture of who this gentleman is and his life, his wife, his, his grounds, his property, just from listening to him for, of the 60 minutes, probably 59 minutes. So it's been wonderful to go through that kind of practice to, to learn how to listen and to just be there for someone. Do you have any thoughts on how we can do that in our daily lives without um, yeah, because it seems like no one's listening, right? Yeah, you know, it, it's you know, I think my wife said said to me the other day, um, I'd interrupted her, and um, and we were just talking about you know, life today is constant interruption. Is anyone letting someone finish their sentence? Um, and I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I know being in some kind of practice where you're forced to listen might be a good start, but I don't know the answer to that question. Um, and I'm still learning how to listen um, and how not to put myself into that conversation. That is the one thing mm -hmm. they teach you at hospice. You don't bounce off that conversation to introduce your life and to talk about your life. You're there just to listen to theirs and to hear how they're wrestling with their life and what terms they've come to and how they're doing and how they're feeling and all, and all of that. You know, I've been talking to this gentleman for six months. He knows what college I went to. He knows I'm some kind of filmmaker. He knows I'm in Westport and that's it. That's all he knows. And I'm great with that, you know? So uh, it's been wonderful. It's really been, uh, and there's so many ways that you can learn. The biggest other lesson I've learned is that connections are as powerful as relationships. I've definitely had relationships with patients. Hold on, stop. Incredible. I'm going to stop you right there. Hold on. I need, to, I need to hear that again. Relationships are important as connections? Connections are as important and powerful are, as relationships. Are they not the same? Make the distinction there for me. Well, I saw the distinction. When I read to that woman for an hour and she was unresponsive, she had a few pounds. I was like, oh my God, I hate the sound of my voice. Um, am I reading this incorrectly? Am I reading the wrong poem? Um, but I felt a connection to her. And when I went home that day, I thought about that patient for the entire week. Came back, they had moved all of her stuff out. So she was close to passing. So they, her family had moved all of her possessions out. And so I played her some opera. You know, I didn't know what to do. I played her some opera for about 45 minutes. Um, and I felt strongly connected to her as strong as I would as if you and I had a relationship. And so that's been a, a big learning thing for me is how you can have a connection with an unresponsive patient um, and feel close to them and feel indebted to them and feel caring for them and feel concerned and, and curious about how they're doing and, you know, what their life has been like.
concerned and curious to create connection. I love that, Rob. Thank you for talking with us today. Thank you for the work that you're doing in you. uh, bringing, bringing about these great stories. And if people want to get in touch with you, I'm guessing yeah. you want them to go to your website. Sure. Just go to forallhumankind.com and you can see work. You can see my background. You see client comments, um, recommendations. And and even if you just want to look at work and criticize it, that'd be great. You know, <laughs> have at it. You know, give it to me. Come on. Um, we're on the kindness podcast. Yeah. They're not criticizing. <laughs> they're, they're lifting yeah. you up. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, thank you. Is there anything else you want to share today before I let you go? Um. No, I think I think uh, what we're doing is first of all we, we charge uh, at cost, mm -hmm. so we're not. I charge half my day rate for any charity, and I'm a one man band. So you might not think you can afford it. Give us a shout. Give me a shout. Tell us what you want to do, and and because uh, our job is to try to make it happen for you. So uh, give us a try if if you want to. Awesome. Thanks so much, Rob. It was really inspiring to talk with you today. So I thank you for sharing yourself with us. Thank you. That was a conversation with Rob Feekins. Learn more at forallhumankind.com. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, please spread some kindness in the review section. And check out my new book, The Negativity Remedy, now available in stores. <laughs> <laughs>